for thy word and for salvation by grace through faith. Thank you for all the areas of influence affected by this great work. Thank you for our preacher who's done so much for the cause of fundamentalism in this nation and around the world. And now we get to sit at the feet of one who walks with thee. Give us carefulness to listen and a heart that's tender toward the preaching of the word this morning we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When I came in this morning, I had a frog in my throat, but it seems to have jumped over to Brother Laurent, and uh, it's probably to Brother Scott now and on to Miss Colston soon, and it'll be a blessing to all of us if she gets a frog in her throat, and especially to a man sitting to my left going here. I'll ask you to give me real rapt attention this morning as I bring you a message that I think is very important. I'm going to speak this morning on the subject, how to cure depression. How to cure <coughs> depression. And it is so vital, I trust that you'll listen on purpose. And if you do not listen, it'll be very depressing to me. I want to read for you, without your turning to it, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Let me paraphrase that, and I do not do an injustice to it at all, when I paraphrase it like this. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are doing what God put them here to do, and are doing it where God put them to do it. In other words, doing what I was put here to do, and what and where I was put here to do it. The Bible says, if I love God and do those things, all things will work together for good. I hope you'll listen carefully this morning. May I, before I pray, may I say, I feel that I may have left <clears throat> a wrong impression. I say so often here, I am not a man who has been depressed. I do not mean by that that I'm never depressed. I mean that I never stay depressed. Uh, I cannot tell you how to avoid depression. If I could, I wouldn't because I think you need it. I can tell you this morning, I will tell you, and God will tell you uh, this morning how you can come out of depression. I hope you'll listen carefully. Father, speak to my heart this morning and through me to the hearts of the people. <clears throat> and I pray something real shall transpire in every single heart and mind in this room today. Help me to preach as if this were the last time I'd ever preach. And help the people to listen as if this were the last time they'd ever hear me preach. Please help me to be a blessing. That's all I ask. Amen. It happens to all of us. Depression. Look at me now, no talking. It happens to all of us. Depression. Jeremiah was, was depressed. Truth is, he got discouraged, quit preaching, closed his Bible, and said, I'll not speak anymore in his name. He was in a time of depression. 
Elijah was depressed. We read a while ago in our uh, scripture reading about Elijah who got depressed. So Jezebel had said, I'm going to kill him. And Elijah, was sat, Elijah sat under a juniper tree. And uh, he asked, he told God he wanted to die. And he was in a state of depression. David several times was depressed. In fact, he thought God had cast him off. And thinking that God had hidden from him and cast him off, David was in a time, was in times of depression. Jonah got depressed after he read revival in Nineveh. He felt that God had betrayed him and Jonah went outside the city in a very discouraged state and became depressed. Martin Luther, uh, had fits of depression. Unbelievable fits of depression in his life, so we read. The disciples after Jesus had been crucified, not knowing that he was raised from the dead. On the road to Emmaus, there were some disciples and Jesus talked with them. And they were discouraged, depressed, and blue, and downcast, if you please. I, like you, know depression. Last, this past week, I've been down uh, much of the week in Texas with the touring, folks touring, who won the contest from the recent Sunday school and attendance contest. And <clears throat> they had been <clears throat> touring uh, my roots, and this is how this roots. And uh, Friday, Friday at noon, we went to the church, Miller Road Baptist Church, where I pastored before I came here. That church, I took that church. <clears throat> the first Sunday, we had 44 people there. The membership was 92, I think it was. Had 44 people there the first Sunday. We never ran a bus. Never had nobody ever thought about buses, church buses in those days, and there were no ghetto sections in our town at all, and no, we never ran a bus. We, on our first anniversary, we had, from 44, we had the good of 617. On our second anniversary, we had 1180. On our third anniversary, we had 2212. On our fourth anniversary, get this, 3,165 people, or 63, um, I think two walked out during the sermon, and, but <clears throat> we had uh, over 3,160 people in our Sunday school. I don't mean conducting Sunday schools around the country, I mean right there on site, in a town of 27,000 people. That town has since grown to a quarter of a million people since I left. And... Uh, Hammond had 112,000 I came, now it's down to about 65,000. It's amazing what I've done to the places where I've been. But I uh, <clears throat> went there uh, about noon on Friday. This church was the fastest growing church in the world. For two years in a row, it was chosen the church of the year of the 3,500 Baptist churches in Texas. It was chosen the church of the year. A beehive of activity. It's fallen on bad days. We walked in the auditorium Friday morning, Friday about noon, the afternoon. <clears throat> One of the people on the staff came in and greeted us, and I asked if we could spend a while there. And just before he walked back, I asked him the question, <clears throat> what, what is your attendance now? I wasn't ready for the answer. He said, we're averaging 125. 125. I broke out in tears. The auditorium that I built there, seated uh, 2,200 people. It was almost as big as this auditorium, just on the lower floor. We had no balcony, but almost as big as this auditorium. They had taken the, the sides and made giant hallways to make the auditorium smaller there and back here and over here. Then they, from that, they took it and made it a little smaller, 
and uh, they put a little section off over here and cut a little section off over here. And then they, what they've done and what's left of it, they have two little rows, two little sections of pews, nine pews over here, nine pews over here, and the rest of the auditorium is blank space over here, probably 25 feet blank over here and 25 feet blank over there, enough to seat maybe a couple of hundred people. And I wasn't ready for it. I uh, remember those days, and I got depressed. I wasn't depressed because, primarily, because the work there, after 40 years, had gone down to 125. A good man's pastor there. I love him, and he and I are friends, and, he, and he's, he's not the cause of it. The church went down a long time before he got there. But here's why I was depressed. I looked out 40 years from now. And I'd rather die than this church to go down like that. I looked out 40 years from now and wondered if somebody's going to come by and visit this place and see a wall over here and, and the balcony all closed off. I wondered. And I got depressed. I am like you. I'm capable of becoming depressed. I could tell you some of the dates. October 10, 1957. September 20th, 1984. March, or July 15, 1984. March 26, 1999, when I learned that I had a heart condition and that our little grandson had been killed in a car wreck. I'm, I'm, I'm not immune to depression. I have seen Dr. Bob Jones Sr. depressed. I've seen Dr. John Rice weep tears of, of, of heartbreak. I've seen him depressed. I've seen Brother Lester Roloff at the bottom. I've seen him depressed. I've seen Dr. Lee Robertson when he's depressed for one year. He lost his voice and couldn't speak, couldn't preach in his own church for one year. Sat on the platform, <clears throat> just preachers preach for one whole year at Highland Park Baptist Church. Listen to me now. I'm saying the great men. Spurgeon had fits of depression, had to go down to Mentone, France, uh, discouraged because of his health, and had to go down to Mentone, France and spend months and months there. His wife was an invalid, and for the last, I guess, 15, 20 years of his ministry, and Spurgeon was not well himself, and depression swept over him. And he had to, so he, he would write his sermons out in Mentone, France, and send them back, and somebody would read the sermons on Sunday morning, and Spurgeon be in depression down in Mentone, France, because he couldn't come back to England because of the weather. Now, God has not, does not tell us how to avoid depression. He does tell us that depression, when it comes, can be a visitor and not a tenant. God does not tell us how to avoid depression. He does tell us how depression, when it comes, can be a renter and not an owner. God does not tell us how to avoid depression. And don't you think you're backslidden because depression comes. But God does tell us how depression can be a tourist and not a citizen. God cannot, does not tell us how to avoid depression, but he does tell us that depression can be a vagrant and not a dweller, a wayfarer and not an inhabitant, a sojourner and not a host, a guest and not a family member, a, a temporary and not permanent. So I will not tell you this morning, you don't miss it now, I will not tell you this morning how to avoid depression. I can't do that. I was about as low as a guy can get about one o'clock last Friday. Because I had seen much of my life uh, in the past, 
almost obliterated. And then I thought about the church here, as I said a while ago. I don't, I don't, I don't think you understand that. I don't think you understand how much I want this church to keep going after I'm gone. I don't think you understand that. These young people still in the front here. I want them to have a the kind of church we have this morning a long time after the houses voice is silent. And I've given much of my life to that. And 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 because of that, I was I wasn't thinking about just the Miller Road Baptist Church and hundred and twenty five in the Sunday school after all those great days we'd had. Opening day of that big auditorium, twenty two hundred seats, we had twenty five hundred and fifty twenty five hundred and fifty seven people there on a day when it was treating and ice all over the streets. You could hardly drive on the streets and and but the thing that broke my heart was thinking about what possibly could happen here. I beg you, I plead with you, not for my sake, but for the sake of these young people, these young ladies that sang a while ago in my Sunday school class, college young ladies from First Baptist Church. And the little children now, then the nurses over there, your kids, and, and the beginners, and the primaries, and all these others. I beg you, don't let the devil have this church after the house is gone. So, let me say some words about depression. Depression is necessary to joy. They that sow in tears shall reap joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his shears with him. Joy cometh in the morning. That means that it's not morning yet. Somebody has lost their joy, but joy cometh in the morning. The valley increases the joy of the mountain peak. The clouds increase the joy of the sunlight. The wintertime increases the joy of summer back down south where they have summer. Nighttime increases the beauty of the sunset. There can be no peak without a valley. There can be no sunrise without the setting of the sun. There can be no harvest without sowing time, so depression will come. We must find a way to prevent it from staying. This morning, if you're depressed, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to stay that way. And if depression does come, you cannot avoid its presence, but you can avoid its continuation. And this morning, I'm not trying to tell you how to prevent depression. I'm trying to tell you how to come out of depression once you are there. How may I make sure that morning will come? How may I guarantee that the sun will rise? Let's see how Paul did it. Chapter 7 of Romans, Paul was depressed. You read the last, last verses of Romans chapter 7, and you'll find the discouraged man. And he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. And Paul was in a fit of depression. But in Romans chapter 8, he comes out of it because Romans chapter 8 is the victory chapter. Romans 7 is the valley chapter. Romans 8 is the mountaintop chapter. Romans 7 is the midnight chapter. Romans 8 is the noontime chapter. Romans 7 is the winter chapter. Winter. Romans 8 is the summertime chapter. Romans 7 is the cloudy chapter. Romans 8 is the sunshine chapter. Romans 7 is the depression chapter. Romans 8 is the elation chapter. But listen how he came out of it. Follow me carefully. All things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose, to those who are doing what God made them to do, where God made them to do it. 
So, when depression comes, what do you do? The first thing you do, ladies and gentlemen, you start doing what God puts you here to do. Don't get away for a few days. Get with it for a few days. When you get depressed, don't withdraw. Attack. When you get depressed, don't resign. Resign. When you get depressed, man your post. Do your duty. Carry out your assignment. Obey orders. Do what you're meant to do. Do what you're made to do. Work your way out of depression. You don't, you don't, you don't uh, uh, go to reclusiveness and, and get out of depression. You get back to doing the things that God put you here on earth to do, and that's the way out of depression. July 1984. I was at the Ramada Inn, Nederland, Texas. I had my Bible in my hand, my coat was on, my tie was tied, waiting for my drive to come and get me. The phone rang. And five minutes before my driver got there, my whole world was pulled out from under me. July 1984. I fell on my face, face down, and said, God, I can't do it. Depression had, had, had seized me. And uh, heartbreak and depression. You said, what did you do? Five minutes later, my driver came. I walked out and I got in the car. He drove me to church. I sat on the platform. I preached on the fullness of the Holy Spirit. By the time I got through, I was happy as could be. That's the way to get out of depression. You don't go to some stupid psychiatrist who's about to commit suicide, taking pills himself. You don't, you don't, you don't retreat your way out of it. You advance your way out of it. And let me tell you this morning, depression, you cannot prevent depression, but bless God, if you'll just get this to doing what God in heaven put you on earth to do, you can, you can see that depression is not there to stay. October 10, 1957. My convention had told me that I had to support their liberal schools or they would vote me out of my denomination. I had preached in every great denominational meeting in my state in the previous year. I was scheduled to speak at the Southwide, at the, at the International Convention of the Southern Baptists at Kipper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, and I was still yet a young man. Just barely 30. I was told that I had to support liberal schools, liberal programs, or I would no longer be a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. I, I wouldn't support a liberal school if I was voted out of the United States of America. And yet, I could not believe that because of my stand for this book, I'd be voted out. I went home that day, I thought it was all over. I was at the bottom. I had been honored by my denomination. I had been the training union uh, uh, superintendent of my entire association in East Texas. I had spoken at the Texas Baptist Sunday School Convention, that, uh, and I remember thousands of people. Here I was, 28, 29, 30 years of age. I was a, I was a fair-haired young boy. I went home. Guess what I did? Went soul winning. Went soul winning. I went about five folks to Christ and came home sticking my tongue out to Southern Baptist Convention. You see, ladies and gentlemen, here's the problem. 
You go to the psychiatrist, he says, or the doctor sometimes, he says, resign your Sunday school class. You, you got too much on your mind. I say, build your Sunday school class. I cannot tell you today, neither can God tell you, and he would not keep you from depression, but bless God, you can see to it, it's just a sojourner, it passes through, it does not build a house while it's there. I was preaching in, I think it was Rutgers University, it may have been Princeton, I've forgotten which one, it's one of the big universities out east. Someone, uh, a convention had rented their auditorium and uh, the Coliseum, really 8,000 8, feet Coliseum. And I was to preach to several thousand people in that great convention center that night. I was all, I ready to walk out the door and I called Miss McKinney to see what was going on and she told me something that broke my heart. And I sat down and I said, I can't take anymore. I can't do it. And I was at the bottom. I jumped up and thought of what I preached this morning. If you're, if, you're, if you're depressed, get back to doing what God put you here to do. Don't run from duty, run to duty. Don't, don't retreat, advance, progress, go forward, not backward. Don't, don't be a recluse somewhere. Get busy doing what God has put you to do. I've got my Bible. I've set by cracky. Let the devil do what he wants to do. I'm preaching tonight. I walked in that great Coliseum. Nobody knew that I had a heartbreak. I preached that night with a broken heart. By the time I got through, I was happy as a June bug on May 31st. I went downstairs underneath, you know, in these big Coliseums, have these big uh, walk runways down the stairs where you have the concession stands and the restrooms. And I went down there and got alone. And I was having a spell, praising God. Uh, don't understand me, the burden, the, the burden was still there, but the depression was gone. You will never be depressed, because uh, depressed, doing what God has put you here on earth to do. I was walking down there, up and down there, like this, thanking God. Still had the problem. Still had the heartache. Looked up and there came Andy Briner. One of our men here this morning. And he was pastor of a church. <clears throat> Louisiana had brought some of his people there at that convention. And I looked up and there was Andy Reiner. Andy did not know my heart was broken. He did not know I walked in that building all, all the way on the bottom. Andy rushed over, took my hand, and said, Brother Hiles, I'm so proud of you. He said, I've heard you preach hundreds of times. That's the greatest sermon I ever heard you preach. They that so in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and reapeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless, doubtless, not maybe, not maybe, could be, not might be, doubtless beyond a shadow of a doubt, he'll come again rejoicing when the issues with him. So get back to work. And I think I'll resign the class. I, I got some burdens, no? Get busy building it. I think I'll resign the bus route, no? Add some time to spend on your bus route. Paul said in chapter 7, I'm depressed. Oh, wretched man that I am, in chapter 8, he said, the way to come out of it is do the thing that God put you here to do. September 20th, 1984, my mother passed away. I had promised her the night before that I would not cancel a speaking engagement because of her death. You can't understand how close my mother and I were. 
you, you have to be reared as a boy in a drunkard's home and your sister's gone now and married and, 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 and starving to death together and trying to make ends meet together. And uh, you can't imagine. Mother passed away. I found out about it. Late afternoon, I was in Charleston, South Carolina. What I do that night? I preached. How about the next morning? I preached. How about the next night? I flew over to Richmond, Virginia and preached the convention in Richmond, Virginia. How about the next day on, on, on uh, Saturday? Came back and preached the funeral of a lady, another lady here in this church from this very pulpit. How about the next day, mother's body lying in state at Broken Funeral Home? How about the next day, taught my Sunday school class, preached on Sunday morning, came back to the question and answer service on Sunday night, had preached on Sunday night, 11 o'clock Sunday morning, uh, Monday morning, I stood right here behind this pulpit and preached my mother's funeral. I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, the people that tell you to retreat and withdraw when you're depressed, that's the way you dig a deeper hole and you go farther down in depression. I'm saying you find out what God has put you to do and get busy doing the things that God puts you to do. You will not prevent depression, but you will stop depression. I never cancel a meeting because of heartache. Never. Forty-one years ago this August, Ms. Howes and I came here. I was so discouraged. I, 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 I didn't want to be a Yankee. And, and this was, place was so different. And, and I was so discouraged. I went to my study. I was sitting on my, on my, at my study over the same place I am now. Put my head on my desk and was crying. I said, shoot. I don't know how to get out of this. I got me a little stack of prospect cards. Didn't even know where the streets were in town. Top card said Mrs. Seifert. 517, I think it was. Either 509 or 517 Detroit Street. Well, I know Detroit's a long way from here. I didn't know where Detroit Street was. I went to a service station, got a map, and found out where Detroit Street was. I was on the bottom. I went over to 517 Detroit Street and knocked on the door. I rang the doorbell, and this very fine-looking lady, an attractive middle-aged lady came, prematurely gray hair, very dressed, very dressed immaculately, and she obviously was going somewhere. And I said, Mrs. Seibert, and she said, yes. And I said, I'm Brother Howes. And I started crying. I said, I'm Brother Howes. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in heaven. And she said, what's wrong with that? What's the bad about that? Well, I, I, I meant to, I should have said, do you have time to tell you what's the bad about that? I said, Mrs. Seibert, I'm new here, and I'm homesick, and I'm down. But I, I want to tell you, ask your question, do you know if you died, you go to heaven? She said, no, I don't. I said, would you like to know? She looked at her watch and she said, listen, I've got a, I've got a, a ladies' civic meeting. It's the Hammond Civic, uh, civic Center. I've got a ladies' meeting, a social meeting of some kind. I've got to be there in a few minutes. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have time to talk to you. I said, Mrs. Driver, let me just tell you how to go to heaven. She said, I don't have but a few minutes. I said, exactly how long it'll take me is a few minutes. Let me tell you. Tears rolling down my cheeks. I put my hand on the screen door. And through the screen door, I told Mrs. Seibert the gospel of Christ. I said, let me pray. She said, I've got to go to the... I said, let, I'll, pray, I'll pray briefly, let me pray. I bowed my head, and while I was praying, I felt a tear on my hand. 
Well, I know tears don't come that way. So I'm smart enough to know it wasn't my tear. And anybody else there but Mrs. Seifert. I looked up and the tears were rolling down her cheeks. And Mrs. Seifert got saved. I came back to the church. Oh, my soul, Hammond was the prettiest town in America. I'd rather live here than Honolulu, Hawaii. You're Maui. I'd rather live here than, 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 than any place in the whole world. Why? That's exactly why. I was depressed, but bless God, I didn't stay depressed. Why? I was doing what God put me here to do. That's why. Years passed. Many years passed. I got a letter. Oh, it's been about in the last five years. Maybe, maybe more recent than that. A pastor of a church wrote me. He said, Dear Dr. Howes, you probably don't know this story. But he said, I, I, I grew up in Hammond. I was a little boy. I lived at 517 Detroit Street. He said, Many years ago, I was a little boy upstairs when somebody knocked on the door. It was the day that you came and told my mother about Jesus, and she got saved. I opened the window. And I did not, uh, you did not know I was up there, but while my mother heard the gospel, I heard the gospel. And while my mother prayed the sinner's prayer, I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I got saved that day too, brother. I have, and now I'm pastor of a Baptist church. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. I'm not telling you this morning something I heard or read. I'm telling you something I know. I've found through 40 and a half, almost 41 years pastoring here and 54 years of being a Baptist preacher through many dangers, songs, and snares, I've found the answer. I cannot tell you how to prevent depression, but I can tell you how to stop depression. You do what God put you here to do and rush to do it. And the second thing Paul said, you do it where I meant for you to do it. Paul said the way to overcome depression is doing what God called you to do and what he put you to do and then do it where you were meant to do it. I was meant to pastor this church. God chose me before I was ever born to pastor this church. I am standing where I'm supposed to stand. I am doing what I was meant to do. I walked into this place time and time again depressed, but I've never walked out depressed. I've walked in that door right there on the bottom, but every time I've walked out, I've been on the top. Why? I was where I was supposed to be, doing what I was supposed to do, and you can't stay depressed if you're doing what God put you to do where he put you here to do it. I've walked in that door many times. It was midnight, but never walked out in the midnight. I've walked in that door many times when it's cloudy, but every time I've walked out, it's been sunny. I walked through that door in the valley, but walked out the door always on the mountain top. I walked out that door on bottom, but I always walked out. I walked in that door on bottom. I've always walked out on top. So forget what you want to do, and do what He made you to do. Quit living for fun, and live for His plan for your life. Quit living for self. Listen, I promise you that 99% of all the depression pills that are taken in America and all the trips to the psychiatrist because people are depressed, I promise you 99% of those people are living for themselves and the very fact that they go to the psychologist for that help means they're trying to get help for themselves but the answer is you help other people and God will help you. Quit doing your thing. 
and do his thing. Then depression will be a visitor, not a tenant. A renter, not an owner. A tourist, not a citizen. A vagrant, not a dweller. A wayfarer, not an inhabitant. A sojourner, not a host. A guest, but not a family member. Temporary, but not permanent. How you can't keep depression from coming, but you can keep depression from staying. Now, he said, well, what was I put here to do? If you've ever trusted Christ, you're put here to trust Christ. You're, you were not made for hell, you were made for heaven. God did not make hell for people. God made hell for devil and his angels. And if you go to hell, you're an intruder. So if you're going to do what God puts you to do, the first thing you got to do is realize you're a sinner, realize that you're lost, realize that Jesus paid the penalty of your sin, and trust Him as your Savior. Walk down this aisle in a few minutes. Let the people know that you're coming trusting Christ as your Savior. And then the plan of God will be revealed step by step to your life. And as God reveals that plan step by step, when depression comes, it can not stay. Depression cannot dwell where the will of God is being done. Where God put you here, you're doing what God put you here to do. Where God put you here to do it. And so I'm not saying this morning I can tell you how to avoid depression. I can't do that. But I can tell you that you don't cure it by a pill. You don't cure it by a trip to the doctor. You don't cure it by changing your diet. You cure it by getting back to the thing that God in heaven puts you on earth to do. And get right smack dab in the middle of where he puts you to do it. I've said often, I don't know what it is to be depressed. Don't misunderstand that. I know what it is to get depressed. But I don't know what it is to stay depressed. And this morning I've given you a little recipe that will change your life. It's up to you. But it will change your life if you let it. Would you bow your heads, please? Give us my dear soul. You are.